Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. I'm actually starting uh, a new uh, theme today that will carry us through for a little while uh, with a couple of interruptions. But uh, I've called this learning to listen. And even as Abe has shared this morning, and, and he didn't know until I turned up what, uh, what the theme was going to be this morning, but how uh, God had spoken to Abe and what he shared, uh, ties directly into this. Learning to listen. How do we learn to listen for the voice of God? Because all of us desire that. And sometimes we ask some questions that I don't think are helpful questions. And we ask questions like, well, uh, why don't I hear God speaking? God never speaks to me. And uh, why can't I hear the voice of God? They're not helpful questions because I, I think they're the wrong question. Because the reality is God always has and always continues to speak to his people. And the question we need to ask is, why aren't I hearing from God? And if we can approach this from that perspective, I think that'll be far more helpful. I uh, need to qualify all of this by saying, and it was interesting because even Kathy mentioned that in, in her couch time interview, uh, I've never heard the audible voice of God in my life. But there is barely a day go by where God doesn't get my attention, where God doesn't speak either through his word, through circumstance, through somebody else, in a time of prayer and quiet reflection where God just speaks. And what we have to learn to do is to discern how God speaks to us uniquely and individually because he does and he desires to. So we've got to learn how do I position myself to hear from God? How do I put myself in a place where God, by His Holy Spirit, where God through His Word, where God through other people, where God through circumstance speaks and communicates to me in a way that is unique to me. The sad truth today is that you and I live in, in a culture that increasingly does not acknowledge the spiritual. And as Christians, having to navigate the culture and the times in which we live, we have to guard our hearts, we have to guard our thinking, we have to guard our spirit, we have to guard ourselves against becoming culturally conditioned to avoid living lives without reference to God. Or even as Abe put it so powerfully this morning, that we push God into the periphery. It's not that he's not part of our lives, but what is it that identifies us as God's people? How, how does my faith make a difference in my day-to-day -day walk? How do I live my life differently to my neighbor next door who doesn't know God at all? Because in our world today, if we allow ourselves to be influenced by our cultural norms... That is going to be the number one enemy of your Christian walk. A 
For example, in our world today, we're conditioned to think that, well, time is a certainty. It is a, a, a measure. But eternity, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that and I don't think about that too much. The physical body is a certainty, but the spirit, the soul, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I exist, I am a physical being, but God, yeah, I don't know, and I doubt it. And I think one of the ironies about our culture today is that the only things that people have faith in are the things that don't actually require faith. And for most people in our cultural context, their whole view of life is determined by time, explains itself in and through science, and finds its meaning in self-expression. And we've been trained and culturally conditioned to rationalize everything. And sadly, what happens as a result of all of that is we lose our sense of God being at work in the world today. And even if there is some kind of God, we think of him in terms of being incredibly disconnected totally removed from us, totally unknowable, totally unreachable. And friends, if that is all there is to the world today, if all of this is just some gigantic coincidence, if you and I are the end result of some evolutionary process, if you and I are just soulless animals, then ultimately there is no intrinsic value in human life at all, which then reverts to the survival of the fittest. If that's our perspective, absolutely nothing has eternal worth. And if the physical realities of this world are our only reference point, then we can become gods unto ourselves. And the things that motivate us and the things that drive us become the accumulation of wealth and possessions and power. And since there is no God, things like love and sacrifice and selflessness to a lot of people don't make a lot of sense. Because if there is no God, there's no absolutes, there's no moral code which means I get to determine my own morality. I get to determine my own agenda and we become a law unto ourselves. And then we start employing phrases like my truth. And I tell you what, I'm hearing that way too much and it's increasing. Well, that's my truth. Does that annoy anybody else or is it just me? That's my truth. So why am I talking about this? What does this have to do with learning to hear from God? Well, I think it has everything to do with it. And we need to be careful that we don't conform to our cultural context's worldview. Where everything's got to have a rational explanation. Everything can be clearly explained. 
Our world that denies the spiritual, denies the eternal, denies the miraculous. Because friends, if that becomes our worldview, then I question the purpose of your faith. Because Christianity lived without an eternal perspective, without a supernatural perspective, even without a miraculous perspective that God does move in miraculous ways. It actually reduces our Christian walk, our Christian experience and faith to a whole bunch of religious dogma and tradition and rules. In fact, I think it becomes just another dead philosophy. And if we try to live our Christian lives within that framework of understanding, then we will come to a place of wondering, why doesn't my Christian life actually have any life about it? Why does it seem so hard to live this way? Why do I seem to have so little spiritual authority or power? And many Christians today, sadly, are trying to attempt the impossible They say they have a deep love for God and yet try to live lives totally self-reliant and totally self-directed. And if Christian living comes down to how well you and I can discipline ourselves to a set of moral principles and a set of spiritual guidelines, then our faith is going to be shallow and our daily experience of God will be very, very cold and impersonal. And it will lack power and it will lack purpose. So here's some questions. Are you actively listening for God? Are you positioning yourself to hear from God? Reading from 1 Kings 19 and 9. It's a great story. The Lord appears to Elijah and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put uh, your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And to help you understand the picture here, Elijah is this incredible prophet of God and this encounter with God has just come off the back of one of the greatest victories you can read about in the Bible at Mount Carmel where Elijah one prophet of God goes up against 500 prophets of Baal and there is this miraculous move of God a miraculous demonstration of the mighty power of God and victory on Mount Carmel is won But at the end of all of that, Elijah is totally depleted. And with one threat to his life, 
he flees and finds himself in this cave hiding out but God hadn't forgotten him and here is Elijah hiding waiting upon God and this story teaches us a lot about learning to hear and discern the voice of God. Because here, Elijah is waiting in a cave. And I'll tell you, as you look through the story of God raising Elijah to be a prophetic voice to a nation in rebellion against God, time and time and time again, God's power in Elijah's life was demonstrated in the most spectacular and miraculous and powerful of ways. And here he is with all of that experience of God moving behind him, sitting in a cave waiting to hear from God. And God did not speak to him on this occasion in the spectacular. Was it the earthquake? No. Was it the mighty wind? Is that the voice of God? No. Was it the fire? Nope. On this occasion, he needed a fresh revelation of God and it came in a whisper. And friends, this teaches us something about God. We can't put him in a box. And the way God speaks to you will be the way different to the way God speaks to me and the way God speaks to somebody else. That's just how wonderful God is and how prepared God is to meet us where we're at. And so don't look to somebody else. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, God did that in their life, so I'm expecting God to do that in my life. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. You say, God, speak to me. Speak to me in the way that you want to speak to me. Get my attention in the way that is going to be unique to me, and God will do that. So we don't put God in a box. And as you read on, As God speaks to him in a gentle whisper, God wonderfully and graciously and lovingly restores Elijah. He deals very, very gently with an exhausted Elijah. But then he says, now go back and complete the assignment. Go back and finish the task that I have given you. And there are so many great lessons just in this one story on how how God deals with us and indeed on how God speaks with us. But are we listening? Do I hear from God? Do I recognize His voice? Am I even trying to listen for His voice? Am I creating that space in my life where I'm able to do that? So how does God speak to us? And friends, I truly believe that hearing from God is the difference between Christianity just being a religion that we adhere to and Christianity being an experience of walking intimately with God that brings total fulfillment, that satisfies the deepest needs of our heart and our minds. And friends, if we're not hearing from God, we are in danger of our Christianity being really, really hard work. Because it's just about us trying to keep a bunch of rules. No excitement, no purpose, no joy, no hope. But if you are hearing from God, it is that that brings your faith alive because you are in a relationship with God and it's a two-way street. 
Yes, I speak to God, but I know that God speaks to me as well. And may God's voice not fall on deaf ears. There's another great story uh, that we read in John 10 and verse 1. And, and, and I love this. And it, again, it's just a beautiful picture of Jesus. In fact, these are Jesus' words in John 10 and 1. And he says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it. To the full. And I love the words in there. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. The, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And God gives us so many wonderful promises. If we look at the, the great prophet Isaiah, he says this in Isaiah 30 and 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. What a promise. God says, I want to speak specifically to you. I want to give you the direction you're looking for. God wants to specifically guide us. But we often don't hear him because we are very much like the people that this promise was actually originally given to. They didn't want to hear from God. They weren't willing to trust God. They wanted to live by their own strengths and they wanted to do their own thing. If we back up to verse 1, we get the context and Isaiah says, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. Those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. And let me give you a context here. This is a moment in Israel's history where you've got Assyria in the north, a great superpower who are advancing towards Egypt, the great superpower in the south. And Israel is the sandwich in between these two great superpowers. And Israel stops, uh, sorry, uh, Assyria stops at the border of Israel, and Israel aren't knowing what to do, so they think, well, let's make an alliance with Egypt. Let's not trust God. 
Let's look at our own resources, our own relationships, the, the plans that we have that we can devise that will strengthen us and get us out of what appears to be a very tricky situation in the natural. And God rebukes them for it. And friends, how guilty we are of doing the same. When we go through life and we make our plans and determine our path and we look at our resources and we lean into those things and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this and I'll do that. And not once do we go and say, God, what do you want me to do? God, I look to you. God, I, I need you to direct my steps. And there's a powerful lesson here. Down to verse 8, go now, write it on a tablet for them, inscribe it on a scroll that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. You know what they're saying? We don't want to hear the voice of God. Because he might, he might spoil our plans. I don't want to hear from the voice of God because he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. And Kathy, thank you for your obedience. How cool was that clip? And it was just the perfect setup for this message. I can't not do it. It's what God wants me to do. I press into God and He directs my path. I press into God and I hear a voice from behind saying, this is the way, walk in it. Oh, I want to live my life like that. It's not always going to be the most comfortable route, but I tell you, it's the place of discovering purpose. It's the place of discovering power and authority because we are in a spiritual battle. It's the place of victory and breakthrough. But Israel in this time of rebellion just wanted to have their ears tickled. Don't prophesy to us, just prophesy illusions. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us pleasant things. And God clearly tells Israel that if they refuse to listen to his voice, it's only going to end up in disaster. But our gracious, wonderful, heavenly Father then promises to them restoration. Verse 19, O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. And there's the passage. Whenever you turn to the left or the right, your ears will hear a voice from behind you saying, This is the way walk in it. Friends, that's not just a, problem, a, a promise for Israel. It is a promise for you and I today. Can I hear an amen? But we've got to be tuned in. We've got to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because you and I today live in amazing times, amazing times that were spoken of in the first century church. Acts 2 and 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Don't be thrown off by the word prophesy. The word prophesy in this context simply means to speak on God's behalf. 
And God is telling us that He will raise a people in the last days that will be God's voice to their generation. And I want every single one of us to be that voice. God needs us to be a voice to our generation. But we cannot speak for God if we're not hearing from God. Amen? Even Jesus followed this principle. John 5 and 19, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son always does. And this was the pattern of Jesus' life. I've talked about this on a number of occasions before, but Jesus living his life as a man, yes, he was fully God, but he constrained himself to live his life on, a, as, on this earth as a man, as though he were never more than a man. He, he never fully exercised his deity. He was never less than God, but he lived his life as a man, as though he were never more than a man. John 5 and 30, by myself, Jesus said, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. John 14, 31. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And Jesus lived his life in total submission to the will of his Father. And everything that he does is not out of the exercise of his own deity, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that rests upon him. And interestingly, even the Holy Spirit follows that pattern, John, 6 and 13, John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is yet to come. And here is a foundational truth that is really the basis of this teaching as we unpack it over coming weeks. The New Testament pattern is simply this. Hearing God is necessary in order to serve God. That's not rocket science. But hearing the voice of God is absolutely critical if we want to be serving God. That needs to be the pattern for our lives as well. If we want to do the work of God and be fruitful at it and successful at it, we've got to learn to hear from God. And next time we're going to develop this theme a little bit further from a great encounter we read in 1 Samuel 3, which actually starts off with these words. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Wow. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. I wonder if that describes the times that we're living in. The word of the Lord was rare and there's not many visions. Friends, always in times of spiritual poverty, you and I again need to be quite literally men and women who speak for God. People who know that God is speaking and that we position ourselves to hear his voice 
And once we've heard his voice, then we respond. I'm going to invite the team to come back. We need to be men and women who live with a passion to see people turn back to God. And friends, I said it at the start, but we've got to know that God continues to speak. God is speaking. And it is time for us to listen. And we need to make time to listen. And I just really want to encourage you because it is the plague of our times called phones. And I read something probably a year or so ago that was very, very profound, profound insight. That we are going to, we are going to lose a generation of prophets, a generation of preachers, a generation of creatives. Because every waking moment is distracted and it's a digital distraction. Our phones are desperate for our attention. And that's what every app is designed to do. And it works really, really well. The reason we're going to lose a generation of prophets, a generation of preacher, a generation of pastor, a generation of creatives is because all of that stuff happens in the stillness. It happens in the quiet times. It happens in the, time, in the moments when we are not distracted. And if we can't sit for 10 seconds without reaching for a device, we're in trouble. We're never going to hear the voice of God because we don't give God room to move. And so the exercise that I give to you today as we leave here and start to put this into practice, start to lean in God and, and discipline ourselves to do what I think is the most vital discipline, to give God space to move and to speak. But we've first of all got to recognise that I've crowded God out, that even as Abe said, you know, it's so easy to push God to the periphery. But let's find a moment without distraction, without device, to sit and to say, as we'll unpack next time from 1 Samuel, a great prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And if you can start to pray that prayer, discipline yourself to pray that prayer and discipline yourself to create the space for God to respond to that prayer, then I reckon things are going to start to happen. You'll start to discern the voice of God in your own unique way. He will give you instruction. You'll start to hear a voice from behind saying, this is the way, walk in it. but we've got to remove the distractions that stop us hearing the voice of God. Is that fair? Father, this morning as we leave here, we pray this prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I pray that that would be the starting point. And as we begin to unpack this in coming weeks, that we would be a people 
that do hear your voice. And because we hear your voice, we can go on and then be that prophetic voice to our generation. Because you do want to speak your truth to us. And you do want to communicate your truth through us. But as I've just said, we can't speak for you if we don't hear from you. And with all the distractions of the world around us, the devil loves that every waking moment is totally preoccupied with so many distractions. And Lord, we've got to repent of not allowing you space, of not allowing you time, of pushing you to the periphery. Father, we want our relationship with you to be dynamic and to be alive, to be relational. Not just going to you with our prayer shopping list, but spending that time to wait that you might speak to us. And so our prayer this morning, and may it be an ongoing prayer that would begin to shape new habits within us, is that beautiful prayer, so simple. Lord, speak, your servant is listening. May that be the prayer of our heart. For your glory, for our benefit, for the sake of your kingdom, we pray and commit in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.